I um, want to tell you a story. I told you one story last week. I want to tell you another story this week. Ray Stanford tells a story about a little kid named Jim Tingen, and I, I can't tell the story exactly like you, but I can tell you what he said about it. And so I will try to explain this story, and, but there's a reason for it. You see, when I was in Colorado, I would try to get as many kids as I possibly could to get on a bus, and I would drive 2,150 miles to a camp they had down in Florida. And I'm talking about, that's a long way in a school bus, an average in 50 miles an hour, and it taken two days to get there. And that's driving straight through without sleep. Now, I would do that, and I did it for a reason, because I wanted them to hear what Ray said about a kid named Jim Tension. Now, the reason the story was so important, because there were some people that, even though they came to ranch, and some came to church, some went to camp, and I couldn't reach them all. I could not convince everybody that came to trust Christ as their Savior. And those that did trust Christ as Savior, I could not figure out a way to get everyone who knew the Lord to serve the Lord. And I wish I had a magic wand so I could cause everybody to fall into a deep sleep and they would wake up and everybody automatically, like robots, would serve God. But I haven't found that wand either. But I knew that if I can get them on that bus and drive them all the way down to Florida, just so that on that one night when Ray would tell the Jim Tengen story, it'd be worth all the sacrifice because the kids that went, if they hadn't trusted the Lord, they trusted the Lord. And if they hadn't dedicated their life to serve the Lord, they would. And it was the most challenging, motivating story with highs and lows and all the emotional, you know, things that can happen in your life in between. And as parts of it, when Ray would tell it, they'd laugh and they'd cry. And I thought it was well worth it. And I did that for, I don't know, 12, 15 years, something like that. And I kept driving buses, driving them home. And I was wondering whether or not sometimes is it worth it. Well, I'd do it anyway. I um, want to tell you this simple little story. And I'll start it off with ranch because, you see, a lot of people don't know what ranch is. Ranch is a teenage Bible study. I had one in Colorado. We got one here. It's just a teenage Bible study. It's where we can, in a casual way, present the gospel to people that may not come to church. But it's on a level that most of the teenagers will enjoy, and, and uh, they can meet kids their own age and so forth, and it's, uh, it works. It's been done for over 50-something years, almost 60. But there was a, a man named Ray Stanford. He started the Youth Ranch Ministry. He's even been in this church and preached. He's the one that taught Dr. Hank Lindstrom. He's the one that taught me. And I met Hank in 1964 when they were running a camp. That's the first place I went was Bible Town Camp in Boca Raton, Florida, 1964, a couple years ago. Ranch was a place where the guys would sit up on stools and they would play guitars and banjos and wash tubs and coconuts and anything that would make a noise they could keep a beat with. And the kids would come in and all sit on the floor. And so they would do this so that the kids would come. And they would always invite somebody to come. And the kids would come and they'd hear the gospel, most of them, for the first time in their life. So they'd trust Christ as their Savior. So the ranch became a hatchery. 
is where little babies were born. And they always have a tendency to want to come back to where they were hatched. And then bring somebody else with them. And so more people trust Christ as Savior. I had the privilege when I was at Florida Bible College to be the co-director of this ranch. This was the granddaddy of them all. And not many people had that opportunity. There's only two before me. And uh, they did it the same year. That was Mel's Carbonell and Wally Morello. And then after them was me and you know, the guy after me was Eddie Williamson. But when we was at Florida Bible College, we got a chance to learn how to do the youth ministry. But one night, Ray, in conducting his youth ministry, he had this one kid come to ranch. Now, this kid, his name was Jim Tingen. And Jim Tingen, well, he trusted Christ as Savior the very first night he came. Now, he had a strange background, and uh, it was very difficult for him or for people to get to really know him uh, because he was kind of quiet, shy. But he was also, at times, a little rambunctious, and he would get in your face, and he was... Uh, he was kind of shunned. Nobody wanted to be around him. Nobody liked him. The guys didn't like him. The girls definitely did not like him. And so nobody would, uh, well, he couldn't get anybody to date him. And when he came, his clothes was never the right size. They were too big on him, and they didn't have money to buy anything. And uh, so he wasn't very popular, but he would always ask questions. He came to ran trusted Christ as Savior. That was the first time he said he had ever heard that God loved him because nobody ever told him that before. When he was a little child, he had an accident. And the accident, we're playing with his sister and having some scissors, and anyway, he punches his cornea and had scars, and so uh, it, was, it was noticeable. But he had to get cortisone shots because of the, uh, the eye problem. Ray described him as a, a kid that had all of his marbles, but his shooter was missing. In other words, he was like not all there, as some people say, this, you know, the elevator didn't go all the way to the top floor, things like that. Or if it did go to the top floor, you know, the light uh, was on, but nobody was home. And so he had to go through this. He was a little bit on the slow side. But he knew the Lord, and he knew he had eternal life. And when he came to ranch, he always wanted to bring somebody. But his mom was an, an alcoholic. My mom was the same way. So was my dad. Now, Jim Tingen was born the year I was born, and uh, he passed away the year that I trusted Christ as my Savior. If he was alive today, he'd be my age. But Ray felt sorry for Jim, and he would always hang around Ray, and he'd follow him around like a little puppy dog. And there's kids that are like that, but he just felt like he belonged as long as he was with Ray, and he loved to hang around Ray and to be with him. But his mother was sick, and she was dying of cancer. And when he came to ranch, he always liked to bring somebody. It's just like us, we can always come to church, but he didn't want to just come to church. He wanted to bring somebody with him. So when he came to ranch, he wanted to bring somebody with him. He couldn't find anybody. Well, he would get on his bicycle, and he'd ride around to all the parks and so like that, trying to beg people to come. And if they would come to ranch, he would um, pester them until they finally come, and then he'd let them alone because they'd trust Christ as Savior to come on their own. And he would keep pestering people. I mean, he pestered them because he didn't want to come to ranch without somebody else coming with him. And so that's what he would do. Now, Ray had built a church called Grove Community Church. And that's where they were when I uh, 
attended the Florida Bible College. It was a church no bigger than what this is right here. They didn't even have a gymnasium. It was on South Dixie Highway. And so they had some parking areas there and just a church. And on the other side, Ray had his home. And so they built this church. And so people would come and donate some time. And Jim would always be there. But if there was a bucket, he'd put his foot in it. Ray said he was just always in the way. He was like, he was a pest. But he didn't know anybody. He didn't, nobody cared about him. But so he would just be a pest. But he was there. And he was always, you know, asking questions at the wrong time, doing the wrong things. And so Ray had a, a, his, his Bible. And when you saw Ray's Bible, it was big and thick, like Hank Lindstrom's was. You know, Hank had a big old Bible. And if you open it, it didn't matter what page it was on. It looks like it's uh, marked all over. What Ray's Bible was like that. Jim had to have one like that. And he would sit by the hour, and he would copy all of Ray's notes into his Bible. He didn't have a clue what in the world they meant, but he would copy them. He wanted to be just like Ray. Well, he'd never be like Ray, but he tried his best. He knew that people should trust Christ as Savior, knew they should go to heaven, and he didn't want anybody to go to hell, and so he would do everything that he possibly could. But Jim was lonely, and he, he wished that Ray would be able to get him a girlfriend. He didn't have any decent clothes, and so Ray was, well, he was about my size at one time. And uh, he would give him some of his clothes to wear. But Jim was smaller and so close, he'd just hang on him. But that was the best he could do. Because I worked at one time with Jack Weaver, he had A-plus exterminators. So in 66 to 68, I had the last couple of years there of working with Jack Weaver, who later on became a student at the college and then on the board of the college. But he allowed me to work in the A-plus exterminator. So I had this calling of being a hired killer before I graduated. And so I had the honor of being able to go, you know, in the, all the church offices everywhere and spray and kill bugs and roaches, you know, the palmetto bug. Everybody loves them. And going into Ray's house. And I could go upstairs, downstairs, all the closets, everywhere. Nobody had that honor, if you want to call it an honor. I was looking for bugs. The great exterminator I was. But I got a chance to see things. And so in one of the places upstairs, Jim Tenyon, he wanted to get a hold of uh, Jane, so he took pebbles from outside, and he kept about 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, and he'd throw them at Jane's window until she would come to the window, and then she'd go get Ray, and then Ray would come down, and he had somebody that Ray needed to talk to. But he did whatever he could. He tried every way he can. But whenever he got kids to come to ranch, he would never tell them what ranch was because he thought, you know, and Ray would ask him, says, uh, Jim, did, did you tell them what ranch is? He says, Ray, if I'd have told them what we do, they wouldn't come. So what he would do, he says, uh, we're having a party. They said, are the girls there? Lots of them. Well, they'd come to ranch, but that wasn't the kind of party that they were thinking about. But he would tell them that anyway. And one day, now, it's, the church was hitting here, and there's the house, and then there's a the road, South Dixie Highway, and on this road here is a one-way road. Well, it's called on Sakafi Street. And across that street was a place they called, uh, well, it was the, the Roach Storm. <laughs> but anyway, it was, um, it was a place where they raised roaches. No, it was a, 
they had college kids that would stay there. But this was a one-way street. An 18-wheeler comes down this one-way street. And they're not supposed to even be on this street. And so Ray looks out there, and he saw this 18-wheeler, and he wondered what Sue had ordered. So he goes out, and this guy sitting there, and he looks down, and he's the one that has that big old black cigar in his mouth, you know, with the tattoos, the big muscles all over his body, built kind of like I am. <laughs> and he rolls the window, didn't ever get out of the truck. He says, sir, are you Ray? He says, yes, I am. He says, I was driving down the interstate, and I saw this boy with a dog. Now, he would always hitchhike with his dog. His dog was named King. It was a big old German shepherd dog. And he'd hitchhike with his dog. He says, and I never pick up hitchhiker, but I picked up this kid. And he started telling me how you can go to heaven. He said, didn't make it really clear, but he says, you can know you're going to heaven when you die. And he says, I've always wondered where am I going to go when I die. He says, if I would come by here, you'd explain it to me. He said, I hope I'm not bothering you. He said, no, 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 you're not bothering me. And so Ray got his wallet out. says, sir, this is you and me. This is sin. We all have sin on us. Now, God loves us, but he hates our sin. And for you and I to pay for sin is eternal separation from God and hell. But God loves us, wants us to go to heaven. And go to heaven, you've got to be perfect. Nobody's perfect. We've all sinned. So you can't earn eternal life. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord, God in the flesh. Came into the world because he loves us, hates our sin, because it separates us from him. So Christ took the sin, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead. He explained the gospel to him, and then the guy says, that makes sense. And he trusted Christ as Savior. And so he says, on that windshield, no riders. He says, I'm not allowed to pick up riders. But for some reason, as I'm driving my truck, I keep wondering, where am I going to go when I die? He says, I have fallen asleep several times. I've run off the road, and I've often wondered what's going to happen to me when I die. And when I saw this kid, I'm not supposed to pick him up, but I had to stop. I stopped, and I picked him up. He says, um, Ray says, his name was Jim Tenjan. He said, that's right. How would you know? He said, never mind. Go ahead. And he explained the gospel. He trusted Christ as Savior, and he was so thrilled. And when he got ready to leave, Ray says, well, I don't guess I'll see you anymore. And that guy says, yes, you will. You'll see me in heaven. Ray said it was kind of like a little rebuke to him. Well, it didn't matter what kind of people they were, but Jim would witness to anybody. Remember, now, he's slow, and he can't always get it out the way, you know, us professionals would do it. But he, you know, a poor presentation is better than no presentation. And so Ray was getting ready to eat one night. Man, Knocks at the door. Ray goes to the door, open it up, and there's this man in a three-piece suit, really a sharp-looking guy. He says, sir, I hope I'm not bothering you. He said, but I was driving down the highway, and I picked up this kid. I don't remember his name. He said it was Jim Tenyon. He says, yeah, how do you know? No, 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 go ahead. He said, he told me that I could know I could have eternal life, and know I'm going to heaven. He says, but if I would come by here, he said, he said you could explain it to me. And Ray said, sure. He came on inside. Ray explained the gospel to him. The man trusted Christ as Savior. And the man was teaching the Sunday school class at the Shenandoah Presbyterian Church. Well, that's where Ray had gone years before. Ray just believed that if you're going to teach the Bible, you ought to know you have eternal life and know you're going to heaven when you die. And so he trusted Christ as Savior, all because of one little kid out hitchhiking, but doing what he can do. Now, some people would say, well, I'd never do it that way. I'd never do it like that. Okay, how are you doing it? I like the way he does it better than some people's way of not doing anything. But anyway, he was walking down the street. Lo and behold, he comes up upon two guys that had motorcycles. 
And Ray used to race motorcycles at Daytona Beach. But he's talking to the guy. He said, what's wrong? He said, they got it, uh, some parts are not working right, and they're trying to fix your motorcycle because it wouldn't run. He says, if you get him over there to see my friend Ray, he'll fix it for you for nothing. <laughs> he got him to come over to the house. And so here's the building, and there's the place where we played basketball, and there's Ray's house right here. And so he got him to come over to the, to the ranch. Ray goes out there and says, Ray, 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 I got him here. He says, who? He says, two guys, you know, they got their uh, motorcycle, and they had those two girls with them also. He says, do they know why they're here? Yeah, I told them you'd fix your bike. <laughs> Ray goes out there, and lo and behold, he does. He fixed their bikes, and it would run. And so while they were there, Ray goes ahead and explains the gospel to them, and they trusted Christ as their Savior. And so they all four left on their two motorcycles, and a couple days later, Jim came over to see Ray. He said, Ray, did you see the paper? He said, yes, I did. He says they were racing their bikes down 27th Avenue. And he says they came up on the train tracks. And the arms started to go down. And one of the leads said, let's beat it. And so they took off. And they, they did. But the other one, the thing came across and took off his head. The other one wrecked and threw him up against the curb. And his brains was all over the sidewalk. Ray says, Ray, did you see that? He said, yeah. He said, they were just here a couple days ago. Now, if it hadn't have been for Jim, neither one of them four would have ever known the Lord. Now, maybe that would have happened. Maybe it wouldn't have happened. I don't know. But Jim, it didn't matter if it was a Sunday school teacher, a truck driver, or motorcycle people. Jim would do everything he possibly could to get people to trust the Lord. He called one time from Oklahoma. Because he'd hitchhike. Go anywhere. So he hitchhiked with his dog. And he called up and says, Ray, he says, I've been hitchhiking. Am I here in Oklahoma? He says, I need some money. So Ray says, what do you need? He told him, and he wired him some money. A few days later, Ray's sitting there eating, and next thing you know, he looks out there, and here comes this jalopy into the yard. And Jim Tingent gets out of this old jalopy and comes running up to the house, and they had a, a man and his wife and about four or five kids. And Jim comes running. He's Ray, they're here, they're here, they're here. He said, Jim, who's here? He said, remember I called you from Oklahoma? He said, there's this family out there, and they didn't have a place to stay. I told them, if they come down here, you'd give them a place to stay. <laughs> All the way from Oklahoma. And he needed that money to pay their gas so they could get down there. And he says, Jim, they can't stay here on church property. He said, but Ray, they're not saved. So he got his Bible. He goes out there and tries to talk to them, and not a one of them would listen. They didn't want to hear nothing. Ray told him, park him over there between, between some trees over there. He said, but Jim, they can't stay here. You're going to have to ask them to leave. This is, they got zoning. They cannot stay on church property. He said, but Ray, they're not saved. The kids got into everything. Ray was beside himself, so he told Jim, he said, Jim, you've got to get them to leave. But Ray, they're not saved yet. So Ray got his Bible, and he went back out there, and he says, they're going to get saved or else. <laughs> so he led them to the Lord. And Jim told him, says, okay, y'all can leave now. See, the only thing he was after is just get him to the Lord. Well, he couldn't get him to the Lord. He got him to Ray. And Ray could talk to him and explain the gospel to him. And so he would do this over and over and over again. Jim Tinton had a, a friend of his. He was a little Catholic boy. And Jim tried to get his Catholic friend to be able to come to the ranch. And he said, my mama won't let me go. 
He says, why? Because he says, we're Catholic and y'all are Protestant. He's not allowed to go. And so it just burned him because he, he wanted his friend to get the gospel. But how's he going to do this? So he tried to figure out a way. How can I get my friend to hear the gospel? So he knew his friend had a paper route. He says, if I come early in the morning and help you roll the papers, and if I help you throw the papers and you get through early, will you come by to see my friend Ray? He says, you'll do that? I said, yeah. He says, sure, I'll do that. So they got up that morning and they went and threw papers. Ray usually gets up about 4 o'clock in the morning. And behind his bed was like a bookcase. And so when he wakes up early, he'd just get a book or whatever he wants and read. Well, this certain morning he got up, but he just wasn't satisfied with anything that he read. He opened that book and another book. He even got his Bible and just this nothing. I thought, that's what I'll do. I'll go downstairs and get the newspaper. But before he did that, Jim was helping this kid throw their papers. They got through early, and so on the Sakafi Street, one-way street, they got there early, so they sat on this little, or little thing that goes around the tree and a little bench like, so they sat there. And so this Catholic boy is sitting there. It's 4 o'clock in the morning. This Catholic boy says, um, how's he going to know we're out here? He says, well, I'm going to ask God to send him out. Now, Ray had already got up out of bed, and he sleeps in his underwear. He walks down the steps, and he opens the door. Thought he would just get the newspaper. When he opens the door, he looks that away. Nobody. He looks that away. Nobody. And the paper's laying right there. He knew if he moved fast, he'll be all right. He jumped out there, grabbed the paper, and before he could jump back in the house, he heard, Ray, Ray, wait, wait. He jumped in the house, closed the door, then opened it up, and there sat Jim sitting right across there. He says, Jim, wait till I get my pants on. He got his pants on, and he brought that Catholic boy inside. Because when he was sitting there and they were talking, he says, how is he going to know we're out here? He says, I'm going to pray and ask God to send him out. So Jim bowed his head and says, Lord, send Ray out. And that's when he jumped out in his underwear. <laughs> it's never happened before. But it happened at that time, at that moment. Just a coincidence, not a coincidence. God honored that boy. He didn't have all the skills and everything else. All he knew, this Catholic kid needs to hear about the Lord and have eternal life. So that's what he would do. There was these two servicemen. And they didn't always do right, but they were servicemen. But they had um, gone to this um, X-rated movie theater. You see, Jim had been out trying to find somebody to come to the ranch. And nobody would come. So he went by this X-rated movie theater, and they were opening, uh, and it was over, and everybody's coming out, you know. And so there's these two servicemen, and he hollers at them. He says, hey, you guys, y'all want to go to a party? They says, any girls there? Lots of them. They says, sure. So he says, where's it at? So he's riding his bicycle, and he's holding on to the car, and he leads them to the Morgan's Bible study. And she had a big piano company. And I had her for music, and her son also taught. But here he are, and they have this um, Bible study in their home in North Miami. So lo and behold, when they got there, they walked inside, 
And they were halfway in with all these people in there, but they were sitting there with Bibles in their hands. And they realized, this is not the party we're thinking of. So they started to back up. And Ray saw them, and he says, hey, sit down right there. Some people just have to be told what to do. They sat down. Ray gave the gospel, and one of them trusted Christ as Savior. The other one didn't. When it was all over, they came up, and Ray was talking to them after ranch. And uh, the one kid says that he had never heard it before, and he was so thankful that he came. And uh, they said, well, how'd you get here? He said, well, there was this kid on the bike. Oh, Jim Tenjan. He said, how'd you know? He said, never mind, never mind. And the other kid that was standing there with him, he says, you mean you knew this and you never told me? You knew you had eternal life? You knew you was going to heaven and you never told me? And it was a slap in his face because, see, a lot of people have friends. But do you want your friends to go to hell? You say, well, I don't want to offend them. When they go to hell, do you think you offended them then? Wouldn't it be better to offend them now than later? Especially when they find out you knew the Lord and you didn't tell me about it. But anyway, there's a guy named Jim Peacock. Now, Jim Peacock, see, I hear on this uh, little patio where in between classes we go out there, and that was our gymnasium, a little patio, and a, a basketball hoop, one. And so all the students are climbing for one ball and one hoop, and we would come back in the class, we'd just sweat. And then Ray told us that we're going to have to start wearing ties. Now, Jim Peacock was a different kind of an individual. You see, he had black hair and brown as a bear. He had beady black eyes, and he had no shirt on, rippling muscles, you know, wearing white calypso pants, and he had a ring in his ear before it became fashionable. And um, anyway, he reached down there and got two of those Coke bottles, and he put them on the ground, and he put his feet straight up in the air, and he's on these Coke bottles. And Jim Tengen says, this is Jim Peacock. Talk to him, Ray. Well, the guy's upside down. So Ray's down there, and he's trying to explain the gospel to him. And when he got through it explaining the gospel to him, he says, uh, does that make sense? Yeah. Will you trust Christ as you say? Yeah, I'll do that. And Ray says, he got down. And then Jim Tengen told him, said, let's go. He said, I wouldn't have given you a quarter for that. But it was a couple days later, he showed back up. And when he did, well, he had a, a bucket of bolts that he was driving. And there was about seven or eight people inside of it. And Ray was getting ready to eat, and he told Sue, he says, lock the doors, I'll meet him outside. And when he went outside, Jim Peacock told everybody that he had in that thing, to get out, and they set, he had a, a double layer of plywood on a ping pong table that made it rough because of ranch kids. Anyway, he got on it. He told all the kids, sit down. They all sat down. And he looked at Ray. says, give me your religious speech. Sure, Jim. Because Jim was a muscular type fellow. You know, like I said, he explained the gospel to him, and when he got through, he turned back over to Jim Peacock. Jim Peacock says, you, trust the Lord. Sure, Jim. You, you do it. Yes. He, he ordered every one of them. You see, you can't do it that way. You do it your way and let him do it his way. <laughs> and when they got through, he said, okay, get it. And one of the girls was wearing things, you know, as we've said before, you know, she has what they call a, an atomic dress. 
you know, it was 50% fallout. You didn't know if it was so tight, you don't know if she was outside getting in or inside getting out. Anyway, they got in the vehicle and they left. And a couple days later, lo and behold, here comes Jim again. And Jim uh, walks up to Ray and says, Ray, I got uh, uh, some bridles and I got uh, some stirrups and I want to give them to you. He said, I want you to put these on the wall so you have something to remember me by. He said, well, Jim, where are you going? He says, well, I, I just got to go away. He said, where are you going? He says, well, I, um, I've been the ringleader that the police have been looking for. He said, we've been stealing cars and then selling the parts and then dumping the body parts into the uh, Coral Gables waterway. And so they've been looking for me. Now, nobody had told Jim Peacock that he had to turn himself in, do anything. See, when you trust Christ as Savior and you want to do right, there's a Holy Spirit that works on the inside of you. You don't have to play God in people's lives. So anyway, he gave him to Ray. I've seen those things on that wall many times. I've got a picture of it, and I put it in the book that I did on the Jim Tengen story. So he, he left and goes to Rayford, turned himself in. Well, Jim wanted so bad for his mother to trust the Lord, wanted his brother to trust the Lord. But his mom was dying of cancer, and she was in pretty bad shape. Ray sometime would come home, and Jim would have somebody else in the house, his house. And they could be helping themselves to the refrigerator. He says, he walked in there, and lo and behold, there's this big woman. And she's sitting down at the table, and there's Jim. Now, when nobody was with Jim was quiet and shy, a little timid. But when he had somebody with him, he acted like he owned the house, he owned the church, that was his property, everything was his. And he'd give you anything of raise. <laughs> and he had told the lady, he opened up the refrigerators, help yourself. These are Christian people. They'll give you anything they got. And so she's sitting there, <laughs> smorgasbord. And she's just a feet in her face. And Ray walks in and he sees it. And then one day he was eating some pork chops. And he's getting ready to eat. And this uh, Jim Tenyon walks up and says, Ray, he said, would you come and talk to my mom? mom? Mom's sick. She's very bad. He says, Ray, Jim, when I get a chance, I'll go by and see your mom. He says, Ray, won't you come now? So Ray went ahead and got on his motorcycle and he got on the back. And they went over to his house, which was in the worst part of town, the old Coca-Cola plant area. And so when he got off, he says, the house was a shack. And that's where Jim lived. And he got to the front door and uh, he, Jim knocks at the door and says, Mom, raise here, raise here. He thought God had arrived. And he could hear her. She was in bed. She's sick. Has no whiskey. Kind of a voice. She says, I don't care who's here. Nobody's coming in this house. So Ray thought, I missed a pork chops. And so he's pleaded. Jim got down and he ran around the back door and Ray could hear Jim in there talking to him. Mom, please let him come in. Please let him come in, Ma. He just wants to talk to you. Let him have a word of prayer. with Just a word of prayer. So Ray... Mrs. Tengen, if you think your house is a mess, you ought to see mine. Let me come in. Just have a word of prayer. Well, all right. If you can stand the mess. He went in. Of course, after about an hour, she trusted Christ as her Savior. Jim was thrilled to death. So glad that she had finally trusted the Lord. Well, she was dying because of cancer. But Jim also wanted his, his brother, Bob, to trust the Lord. But every time he witnessed to Bob, it always beat him up. And so he was trying to figure out a way, how can I get my 
my brother to trust the Lord. And so he told Ray, he says, Ray, he said, if, if I get my brother's best friend to come and trust Christ as Savior, then he'll reach my brother. So it sounded like a pretty good plan. It wasn't long before this taxi cab pulls up in the yard. The meter's running. Ray looks out there, and here comes Jim. And Jim runs up to the door and says, Ray, he's here, he's here. He says, Jim, who's here? He says, my, my brother's best friend. Ray, if you lead him to the Lord, he'll get my brother. Ray says, Jim, does he know why he's here? No, if I told him, he wouldn't have come. <laughs> he found out that the taxi cab driver, North Miami, he hitchhikes up there and then gets that cab with that driver to bring him to Ray's house. And he ain't got any money. You don't have any money. The cab, the thing's running. So he said, Ray, but you got to lead him to the Lord. Oh, Jim. So Ray goes out there and he starts talking to the guy. The meter's running and the guy's just sitting there looking straight ahead, could care less. So Ray says, all right, man. So let me just show this to you. And he's looking straight ahead, sitting there in the car. So let this hand represent you and me, and this represents sin. We all have sin on us. And the guy stopped, and he looked at Ray. He says, I've seen that before. He says, where? He says, I just got out of Rayford. And there's a guy that came there, and he was in there with me, and he was explaining this to me, and he used that, that thing like you're doing. He says, yeah, his name was Jim Peacock. How did you know? He said, never mind. Strange and mysterious ways as wonders to perform, plants his feet upon the cloud and rides upon the storm. And so he says, come with me. He brought them in there to the ranch room, which was in Ray's house on the bottom floor. And he showed him the stirrups and the stuff that was on the wall. And so he trusts Christ as his Savior. And so Jim was thrilled to death that now maybe... He's going to win his brother to the Lord. Uh, but he didn't win his brother to the Lord. So it wasn't long before that taxi cab driver pulled back into the driveway. And this time Jim got out and Jim's just a bawling, just a bawling. And he says, Ray, mom's dead. Mom's dead. And he would just sob. He says, mom's gone. And Jim didn't have anybody that cared about him. And now mom's gone. She was crossing the highway, and a truck hit her and took her right out. And Ray says, yep, Jim, you know that she's, she's with the Lord. And that she's, she just got there just a little before us. But she's, she's in a better place, and she's not hurting anymore, Jim. He says, I know, but I'm going to miss her. And he just sobbed. And then he said, Ray, he says, if you do the funeral, my brother will be at the funeral. And you can give the gospel. He said, Ray, I'd give my life if my brother would trust the Lord. So Ray consented to do the funeral. Some of the college students went to the, the funeral services. And Ray gave the gospel, but Bob Tingen sat there just staring Ray down. No emotion. Didn't listen or like he was paying attention. No response. Some other people trusted Christ as Savior. But Ray didn't see Jim for a a little while, and finally when he showed up, Jim just stood at the door, and Ray opened the door, and, and Jim's head is bowed. And so he put his hand underneath his chin and lifted his head up. He says, Jim, 
Did your brother do that? He was beat all up. His face is in turn purple and blue and yellow and so forth. And he says, did your brother do this to you? He says, he says when you did the funeral, when he got home, he beat me up because all I had was this preacher come preaching hellfire and brimstone and, and he, he was mad and so he beat me. Well, he, he had hurt Jim. He hurt him bad. He hurt his eye. So he had to go back to North Carolina and get some cortisone shots. And he said, Ray, I'd give my life and my brother trust the Lord. Anyway, he went up to North Carolina and he came back and he had this eye infection because of the cornea being messed up when he was a little kid. First day back, he, he goes to ranch. Well, Tom Davis, who was one of our, he was our Greek teacher. And um, he had married a, a little Jewish woman and they had this little girl named Robin. And Robin was just a little baby, but when he went into ranch that night, they were there, and so he held little Robin. And he didn't know that she had chicken pox. And a couple days later, Ray got a phone call from Jim. He was in the hospital. He says, Ray, I'm down here at the hospital. Nothing serious. He says, but I want you to, would you ask my brother to come see me? He says, Jim, just, just ask him, Ray. Ray says, all right, I'll ask him. But Ray got on his motorcycle and went down to the hospital. And when he got to the hospital, he walked in there, and, and Jim had purple pockmarks all over his body. When Ray walked in, he put, pulled it up over himself because he didn't want Ray to see him like that. When Ray got there, he pulled the sheet down, and he looked, and he says, you could not put your finger anywhere on his body without touching one of those big old purple pockmarks. Somehow the cortisone and the chicken pot, it all interacted somehow, and, and he was just covered with it. He said, Ray, I didn't want you to see me like this. He said, did, did, did you call my brother? He says, yes, I did, Jim. He says, he won't come. He says, you're just putting on. You're not really sick. And he says, this is all on that. He said, Ray, I just give my life. My brother trusts the Lord. Ray had a word of prayer with him, and then he left. And then the... Uh, Doctor at the hospital called Ray and says, if you want to see Jim Tenyon alive again, you better get down here quickly. So Ray got on his motorcycle and went down to the hospital. So when he walked in there, there's a nurse at the end of the bed. She saw Ray, she just shook her head. And Jim was like in a coma. He walked over to Jim and he says, Jim, this is Ray. You're stealing the march on me, son. And he started breathing just as normal because before that he couldn't hardly breathe. Just real long, slow breaths. And the nurse's eyes got big. She went out and brought in about two or three more doctors and they were standing around the bed. So Ray did what he normally does because they would go to restaurants and Jim would ask him a question. Ray, can you know you can really have eternal life and know that you're going to heaven when you die? Why, Jim, you sure can. And he'd quote the verse. But he already knew. He was just doing it for all the big years. And so he was sitting there and he says, Jim, he says, you know you're still in the march on me, son. He says, you know, when you came out to ranch, you remember, you found out that God loved you. You trusted Christ as your Savior. And you know you have eternal life. You know you're going to heaven when you die. So Ray kept giving the gospel and didn't know if Jim could hear him or not. But all three of them, there was in that room, trusted Christ as Savior, said, Jim, that's three more. Ray didn't know everything was going to happen right after that, but he had prayer and he left. And 
And Jim passed away. He didn't know that he would get a phone call from his brother, Bob. Bob calls him up and said, would you do my brother's funeral? He knew you, he loved you, and uh, I know he'd want you to do his funeral. So Ray decided he's going to do the funeral. But he said, I'm going to tell the whole story. And so when he got to the funeral home and he's going to tell the story, he went all the way back to when Jim came and trusted Christ as Savior. He told some of the stories that I've shared with you today. He told about how his mama trusted Christ as Savior and how that Jim had said over and over again, I'd give my life if my brother would trust the Lord. And he says that whenever she died and I gave that funeral, he says, Jim's brother, and he pointed him right there. He sat there. He went home and he beat this kid. And all he wanted was him to trust Christ as Savior. He says, and he hurt him, and he had to go get some more cortisone shot, and it told the story about what he wanted. And his brother this time was not sitting there defiant. He was weeping like a baby. When Ray gave the invitation, he was the first one to raise his hand to trust Christ as Savior. And Ray said, Jim, that's one more. When he went to the graveside, Bob Tinton walks up to him and says, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. I just didn't understand. I just didn't understand. Anyway, he wound up giving Ray Jim Tingen's Bible that had all the notes in it. In 1975, I had gone down to Florida, and I was with Ray in the office, and uh, Ray asked me, says, um, would you like to go with me to the hospital? I got some visits I got to do. I said, sure, I go. So we went to the hospital. And he talked to some people, had word of prayer. He said, I got to go down into Miami. He says, uh, you want to ride along? I said, sure. So we rode along. We got down there. He had to do a funeral service. And he had about four or five more people trust Christ as Savior at the funeral. And then coming out of Miami, we went through North Miami. And he says, I, I got to stop here. I didn't know where he was going. So anyway, he parked the car and we both got out. It was a cemetery. And we started walking and he got to this gravesite. And this is a the tomb of Jim Tingen. And he started talking. He says, I'd rather be a Jim Tingen any day and be used of the Lord like this kid has been used. And it's hard for people to believe that this is true. But I watched Ray Stanford start bawling. And he cried. And he got on his knees. And he sobbed. And he laid across that grave. And he wept like a baby. Because he's told that story so many times. And watched so many kids dedicate their life to serve the Lord. You see, Jim wasn't that brilliant. He didn't have any talent and abilities. But he lived for one main thing. And he died when he was about 18 years old. The same year that I trust the Lord. I told that story one time in Colorado about 35 years ago. And there was one kid that came to our camp. And his name was Greg Steer. Who had dared to share ministries. He says that thing so challenged and motivated him. He wanted to serve the Lord for the rest of his life. And 35 years later he's still doing it. Because see I don't have any power over anybody's life. I can't make people respond. I can't make people trust Christ as Savior. 
But somewhere along the line, you think, well, the story of what Christ did for us would so move and motivate people that they realize it's not a game. And if God can use me, I want to be used. See, if you know Christ is your Savior, and you know you're going to heaven when you die. Do you tell people how to get to heaven? Or when's the last time you got somebody come to church because I know that if they get here, I know Yankee will explain it. I know Yankee will make it clear. And you want people to trust the Lord. He loved his mom and he did what he could and she trusted the Lord right before she got killed. And those motorcycle kids and some other people. It's strange how God works. But God can use anybody who wants to be used. And all God's looking for is a bunch of dedicated nobodies who, as the Bible says, can be used of God that no flesh should glory in his presence. God just wants somebody humble enough to say, Lord, use me. Whatever way, however, I just want to be used. Now look up here. This is you and me. This is sin. We all have sin on us. God loves us. He loves us. And he hates our sin because our sin separates us from the Lord. See, God says the wages of sin is death. We have to pay. But to go to heaven, you have to be perfect as righteous as God, and none of us are. So God says you can't save yourself. You need a Savior. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. He came into the world. Because he loves us, hates our sin. So he took all the sin of all the world and paid for it on the cross and came back from the dead and says the only thing you have to do to go to heaven is believe he did it for you. Can't get it any simpler than that. He offers you eternal life. If offered you this microphone and you accept it, you'd have a microphone. Offered you my wallet and you accept it, you'd have an empty wallet. And if you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, but if you trusted him as your Savior today, he would give you eternal life. And you can know that you're going to heaven whenever you die. Let's pray, shall we? Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. If you're watching by internet or if you're here in the auditorium, I am not God. I can't save you. This church cannot save you. But would you right now, right where you are, say, preacher, I don't understand it all, but I believe that when Christ died, he died for me. And I'm going to trust him right now as my Savior. I want to trust him to take me to heaven when I die. And friend, I'm not going to have you forward. Like I said, I'm not going to embarrass you, but right where you're sitting. If what I said made sense, I'd like to know, and I'd like to have prayer for you. So I'm going to ask you, would you just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down and say, yes, pray for me. I will trust Christ as my Savior this morning. I want to be certain of going to heaven. Is there anyone at all? Just slip it up very quickly and put it right back down. Anyone at all? Yes, God bless you. Anyone else? It's a decision that you can make right where you are. And if you trust Christ right now as your Savior, He gives you right now eternal life, and you can know that when you get up to leave, you can know you're going to heaven. You that already know Christ as your Savior, would you say, Lord, I'm your child. I know I'm going to heaven. And if Jim Tengen can tell people and get them out, I want you to use me in whatever way you can, wherever. Wouldn't you do that? With heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm not going to ask you to stand up or come forward. I'm not going to embarrass you, but right where you are. In the quietness of this moment, would you say, yes, I want to be used of God. I want God to use me. Would you just slip your hand up very quickly? Yes, God bless you. A lot of hands all over. Yes, God bless you. I appreciate that. Anyone else? Just slip it up very quickly. Put it right back down. Our Father, we thank you so much for all you've done for us and for these that indicated that, Lord, they, they want to be used. They're your children. Use them, Lord, for your honor and glory. 
and we thank you for all you've done for us. we ask your blessings upon the food now in christ's name, amen.